0: Hope you enjoyed Christmas. I certainly did. It's good to be back with you. Uh, you know, this past week, we all took the opportunity to uh, to celebrate the wonderful time of Christmas, the special times that we can all remember. We think back on the wonderful times that we've had with loved ones that were here and they're, and they're gone. Maybe Jesus has already taken them home to be with Him. But there's going to be a, a Christmas like we've never seen before. One day after a while, there's going to be a family gathering it's going to be joyful, and it's going to be eternal, and it's going to be absolutely wonderful. You know, some of my fondest memories that I recall as a child was during the time of Christmas with my family and my grandparents back when they were living, and in the, in the pains that they took to, to uh, make certain that, that we had a good Christmas, and I, I remember them every Christmas, and I, and I miss them every, every time the season rolls around. It's just a wonderful time to slow down. <sighs> Take a deep breath, look at the bald eagles, throw down a little bit, look at the sunshine and take in the wonderful things that, that God has given us. We know that we live in perilous times, we know that, that, uh, that the church is under attack, we know that God's uh, word and uh, God's people are under attack and I believe it's going to worsen uh, if you believe the Bible, I believe you can also say that it's going to worsen as, as, as time, as we get closer to the end. We believe that the troubles are going to increase more and more and more. And, uh, uh, you know, God has blessed us so much, how blessed we are that God has placed so many special people in our lives. We have a church here of praying people, people who genuinely care, people who genuinely love one another. They'll call you, they'll text you, they'll slip you a note, they'll slip you a card, they'll fix you a meal, just all kinds of ways that this wonderful church uh, shows its love towards one another. And I'm very proud to be a part of such a group of people who love Christ. We're going home one day, and we're going to be in heaven together one day. Every day will be one long Sunday. It'll never end. It'll be wonderful. It's the most wonderful day of of the week, Sunday, Sunday. But in this season, we think about Christmas and we picture, we have pictures in our minds of a baby that was born in Bethlehem of Judea. We have pictures pictured in our mind that the child is peacefully lying in a manger with the Virgin Mary and Joseph, her betrothed husband. And we, um, we envision the three wise men, the three wise men being guided by his star the star of Bethlehem, to the place where the child was. When the wise men saw the star, Matthew says that they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Think about that just a minute. When they saw the star, when they saw the place where Christ was, they rejoiced exceedingly. They rejoiced exceedingly and with great joy because hope had arrived. Hope has arrived. And hope we still have with us. Christ is gone home. He sits at the right hand of the Father. But the hope has arrived. We still have the hope. It's a no-so hope. It's not a hope-so hope, but it's a no-so hope We know that before too long, we're going home to this blessed hope of eternal bliss and glory and splendor. Now, I want you to notice here in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 11. Here we go. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. That's talking about the wise men. And what did they do? The word says, and they fell to the ground and they worshipped him. They fell to the ground and they worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Mary was the mother of the only begotten son of God. We know that. Can you imagine the, the feeling, the expression on the face of Mary when when this entourage of wise men show up and they have all, all of these gifts and they show up and they fall on their face, they fall on their knees before their, her child and they worship Him. The right response to entering into the presence of the Son of God is to humble ourselves and to worship, to submit and to worship Him. When we enter into His courts, the Bible tells us to enter His courts with thanksgiving and praise. He's worthy of it all. We here at Hope in Christ, we know this. We know He's worthy of all praise that we could ever muster up to give Him. And these wise men, they demonstrated it here. I believe the wise will worship, don't you? I believe the wise people will worship the King of kings and Lord of lords. And that is the first thing that man needs to do. So the passage before us says, Then opening their gifts, they presented to him gifts. Or opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts. These gifts were very precious. They were very costly. They were very expensive. Let's look at these gifts for just a moment. And I'm going somewhere with this. The first gift they presented to him was gold. Gold was a, was a metal of royalty. It always has been. It was a precious metal then. It's a precious metal today. It was especially precious in the ancient world. Now, gold was fitting, it was a fitting gift for a king. And here they bring this baby gold. They bring this child gold. And these wise men, they came and they were paying homage to this child, this child as as unto a king. They were worshiping him. They were paying respect and honor to him. The book of Matthew presents Christ not only as a king, but it also presents him as a priest. We see in this symbolism of the goal that they bring to him is that he is the king. And the in the in the next gift, the second gift presented to the child, as you'll see, is frankincense. Frankincense. Now, frankincense is used in the temple. It's used on the altar of incense by the priest to offer up a sweet savor to God the Father on the altar. By the priest, he offered up a sweet aroma and a fragrance symbolizing the prayers to God. The prayers of God's people. So Christ is the high priest. Christ is our mediator. He is our go-between between here and heaven. He is the bridge. He bridges the gap between here and there. The book of Hebrews presents him as a high priest. Let's look at this. In the days of his flesh. The his here is Christ. In the days of his flesh, he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. You know what piety is? Piety is his great respect, his great honor to the Father. God the Father heard God the Son because of His great honor to Him. And although, verse 8 says, although He was a Son, He learned obedience from the things which He suffered. You see, He became a man. He took on flesh and He became a man. That way He could could relate to what you and I feel. He could relate to our suffering. And having been made perfect, He became to all those who, bo- who obey Him, the source of eternal salvation. I'm glad that word eternal is in there, aren't you? He became the, etern- the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. I'm going to need some help back there on my, on my Scripture changing. It's, it's not working right up here. Thank y'all. But the gifts brought to the Magi or wise man, this provides a great deal of symbolism. But I want to draw your attention, and this is where I'm going with my message tonight. I want to draw your attention to the third gift. The third gift is the one that I want to draw your attention to this evening. The third gift presents, they present myrrh. Now, many of you know what myrrh is for. Myrrh is a really strange gift. First of all, to, to bring to a child. To bring to a, to a newborn child, just beginning in life. Why would you bring a child just beginning in life myrrh? Because the chief use of myrrh among ancient people was for the anointing of a dead body. It was for the anointing at the time of burial. So here they bring the Lord gold, gold, For his kingship, they bring him frankincense. For his high priestship, they bring him myrrh for his humanity. He took on flesh. He took on flesh. And he was subject and appointed to die. We see here gold for his royalty and frankincense for his priesthood and myrrh for his humanity. Now we're not told what these gifts were actually used for, but we can assume that they were used to help support his family financially because Herod, evil Herod, wanted him dead. And so his family had to, were instructed by an angel to go down into Egypt. And it was a far travel. That was even enemy territory for Israel to go into Egypt. And they would have to pay along the way to get to egypt so it's believed that perhaps these gifts were used in their travels to egypt the life of jesus even as a baby was threatened and, un- and under attack chad was talking about earlier about the world and how wicked and how things are i don't i i know the world has been through difficult times I know the time the, the, during the times of the Romans and the times of Jesus and on back, the world was so wicked even at one point that it was flooded by water. Noah had to build a boat. And, you know, the story. So it was very evil. But we've not seen a time, I believe, on this side of the New Testament, I don't think this... This world has seen such immorality as we see today. It's blatantly in front of us. The life of Jesus has been under attack for 2,000 years. They've wanted to snuff out the church. They wanted to do away with the church. John the Baptist was beheaded because of his faithfulness to preach the truth. Christ himself was crucified. And he was not guilty of anything but telling the truth. Matthew 2 and 16 says, Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged, and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all, and all its vicinity, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Just to be sure, Herod wanted all the children, or instructed all the firstborn, to be slaughtered in Bethlehem and in the vicinity of Bethlehem, to be slaughtered in efforts to try to do away with Jesus. We find here two groups of people. In this world, there are two groups of people. There are those who love Christ, and there are those who hate Christ. There really is no in-between. We don't don't sit undecided. We either love Him, and we follow Him obediently, submitting our all to Him. He is Lord of all, or He's not Lord of all, right? As as Adrian Rogers has, has, uh, has spoke before. The difference is, the wise men, they came from afar, rejoicing exceedingly with great joy. Now, I don't believe um, that, that Matthew had adequate words to describe the joy upon these wise men. They were overjoyed to the point when they walked into the home of Joseph and Mary. They fell Upon their face. They fell down. And they worshipped him. They knew full well. What they were doing. They brought precious gifts. It was with great joy. Church. We need great joy. Like these men had. We just came through Christmas. How much great joy. Did we experience. By contrast. You have King Herod and his men, they were determined to kill. The wise men came and worshiped and they rejoiced. Herod and his men, they came to destroy, to kill. And they were willing and did slaughter the innocent children, ages two and under, in efforts to do that. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Unfortunately, we see the vicious hatred toward Jesus. It's still alive and well today, isn't it? It really is. That is one thing, I was was telling Pastor Steve earlier, it's one thing that my 2020 has opened my eyes to is the fact that the world is no friend of Christ. The world doesn't love you, the church. The world renders you, the church, useless. They would rather have a world without you, is the truth. We've never in our lifetime seen such a blatant effort to wipe away the Son of God completely from society. Any, any statues, any crosses, anything that would signify holiness, righteousness, submission to a holy omnipotent God they want to do completely away with. That's the society that we live in. That's the kind of America that we're trying to to save right now. And not just America, but every nation around the world. That's the world toward the church. That's the world toward Christ. They do not love Christ. We've arrived at at another passage of Scripture that Contrast two, inv- two individuals in close proximity to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to notice that one of these individuals has extravagant love for Christ. They re- he, this individual loves Christ with all their hearts. One gives their best, one hates Christ. And that individual is a thief. These are two different individuals with two different belief systems. There is no in between, there's one or the other. What, it? what does the Bible say? The scriptures say that we'll hate one and love the other, that we will not serve two masters, right? I didn't have that on my list here, but it just come to mind. Here we go. John 12, 1. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, he came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Verse 2. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. Mary then took a pound of costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor people? Now, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Therefore, Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious holy word. Almighty God, we thank you for, you, for the illumination of your word tonight. Lord, enter our hearts and into our minds, God, help us to receive the message tonight with gladness, with exceeding joy. Help us, Lord, to look forward to the great eternal reward that we know that you've laid up for us, that you've gone to prepare for us. Lord, help us to be a people with a vision of people that are hungry for you and thirsting for you and your righteousness and your holiness. Lord, help us to be light in the midst of the darkness. Help us, Lord, to stand the way that you stood long ago on Calvary's cross, brave and obedient until the very end. Oh, God, we pray tonight that those that may be listening over, over the airways by way of Facebook, God, we pray that you touch them where they are. Lord, deal with them where they are. We pray for their salvation if they're not saved. If they are saved, God, we pray that you give them a double portion. That you bless them, Lord, in a mighty, mighty way. That, Lord, you give them a desire and a hunger and a thirst for you. Oh, God, may this nation and may this world turn to you. We know how it's going to end in the end. But, God, while we're here, we want to make a difference. Lord, help us to be what we ought to be in these evil times that we live. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. As we've been going through this wonderful book, the gospel according to John, in chapter 11, the miraculously uh, resurrected Lazarus, he came from the tomb. He came from the tomb because Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. When Jesus speaks, the dead listen. The dead will rise. He He specifically called on the name of Lazarus. Come forth. And he did. John tells us of the response of his own lookers. That some of the Jews, because they saw this great miracle, some of them believed in Jesus. But there were some of them who did not believe. So what did they do? They went to the Pharisees. And they told them the things that Jesus had done. They went tattletaling. Look what he's done. He's going to cause us a whole lot of trouble, you know. And Caiaphas, the priest, at that time, that year, he advised the Jewish leaders to kill Jesus. It's better that one man die for the whole nation than for the whole nation to die. So he urged the murder of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus knew of their determination to murder him. He knew of the plot. He knew uh, of the conspiracy. He knew there was a a call to, hey, come and tell us. If you see him back in town, let us know. We're going to seize him. We're going to kill him. Jesus knew what was in their heart. And knowing of their determination to murder him, and not only him, but Lazarus as well. They want to kill Lazarus. They want to do away with the evidence. Whoa, well, church. Listen. You're the evidence. You're the evidence. We're the evidence. We're the evidence that, that Christ came and died and we've been born again. We've, we're, we're a people prepared to be carried home. We're the evidence. Lazarus. He was the evidence. He was the, leaving, the, the living, breathing evidence. And he came forward. He had been in the grave for four days. And by this time, there, he was already decomposing. His body was stinking. Now here he was alive, and they wanted to kill him again. They wanted to do away with the evidence. The world wants to do away with the evidence. That's what the drive is behind putting Christ out of the, the the separation of the church and state, the separation of of, of, of of religion in public buildings, no prayer in schools, no standing and praying in public places, public events. And surely if our tax dollars is attached to it, you can't pray. It's a complete and utter separation. They want to do away with the evidence of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They don't want to finance the cause of Christ. You stand for Christ, and I've mentioned this to Steve many times, and then to other people. You stand for Christ, and if you stand bold enough, and you make enough noise, they're going to come after your finances. They're going to hit you where it hurts. Whatever they can do to shut you down and stop you in your tracks. That's the spirit. That's That's the spirit of Antichrist. And we see it. We see it. I see it plainly. I see the attack on the church. The blasphemous things that are, that are going on in many of the modern, uh, uh, contemporary, California-style churches. Bethel Church. I'll go ahead and call that one out. I saw something gruesome today that, that one of their speakers put out. Terrible, terrible. Uh, a mockery, an abomination. It's Not a church of, of God. It's the church of the devil. Blasphemy. But because they wanted to kill Jesus and Jesus knew it, he withdrew from the Jews. And he went to the city of of, of Ephraim. And he stayed there with his disciples. And all through the scriptures, we see themes of belief and themes of unbelief. People who will surrender and people who won't surrender. People who love Christ and people who are hostile toward Christ. And we certainly see this in our text here that we just read. John 12 and 1. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. dead. So they made him a supper there, and Martha was serving. But Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him. In a move from Ephraim, Jesus and his, and his disciples, they came to Bethany. They came to a village that's on the, uh, the, the Mount of Olives. And it's just a couple of miles from Jerusalem. And they met in the home of Simon, the leper. He had been healed. But they met in this place, and they made a supper for Jesus. And Martha was serving. Martha was serving. We need some servers, don't we? We need some workers. And that's what she was doing. She was serving, and among them sat Lazarus, as well as Jesus and his disciples, and perhaps others were there as well. But during the meal, in a startling, in a spontaneous outpouring of her love for him, look at this. Mary then took. Now, Mary is the mother, or is the, is the sister of Martha and the sister of Lazarus. This is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's a different Mary. But it says, Mary took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. As I said, this was a startling, spontaneous outpouring of her love toward the Lord Jesus Christ. Mary, the, the sister of Martha and Lazarus, Taking this pound of costly perfume and anointing the feet of Jesus, Mary acted out of, out of, out of a great devotion here. She was so devoted and her humility toward Christ here is beyond compare. If we really know what took place here, and I'm going to do my best to explain it. No doubt Mary and Martha looked at their brother in a more appreciative way. He had been dead just a couple of days ago. And now here he sits at the table. How would you react if your brother had been dead for four days in his grave and he was called out? Now here he sits at the table and here sits the one that called him out, Jesus. He was dead. But now because of Jesus, he sits here at the table. He's alive and well. He's not half dead. He's, he's, He's fully alive. Now, let me explain the perfume. Pure nard in Roman measure, a pound of it would be about three quarters of an ounce. Or about three quarters of a pound, which, which is about 12 ounces. So, uh, so, it was a very, very, very expensive uh, perfume. It was about a year's worth of wages. Can you imagine working for a year and taking every penny that you made to buy this perfume? And use it all in one sitting? That's what Mary did. Mary was so broken hearted. She had previously criticized the Lord Jesus Christ. She accused Jesus of neglecting her family. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you had been here, he would still be alive. Perfume was her way of showing her appreciation for what she did, for what he did. It was worth a year's wages, and she poured it out from the top of his head on down his body to his feet. Now, you may say, well, it says his feet here, but if you read over in the, in the other Gospels, it says on the top of his head. So... She broke this alabaster vial, which was very expensive in in and of itself, and she poured the whole contents out upon the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, this is six days before Passover. This was six days before he was going to be crucified and dead himself. But Mary broke the vial and she poured out all all the contents, according to the Gospel of Mark. And we find here in here an unrestrained love. Now, the point here is, we're making the, the point that there are those who love Christ and there are those who don't love Christ. This woman had such love for the Lord. And she was completely repenting for criticizing Him. Now, according to the other gospel accounts, Mary poured the perfume down his head, onto his feet. Now, most people would say, well, you wouldn't wash... Someone's feet with such costly perfume, Mary did. Mary did. To to the Eastern women, this perfume was the most precious thing. It's not very precious to us. We can't understand perfume being that precious, can we? But during this time, this perfume was very, very, very precious. If you got a diamond ring on your finger, and your husband worked all year, or you worked all year to buy it, you wouldn't... Toss it to the side over in the weeds, would you? But that's what this was. It was so valuable. But she poured it upon her Savior, she anointed His body. And she anointed His body for His burial. If that were not enough, she wiped His feet with her hair. For a Jewish woman to do such a thing in public would be considered indecent. A woman, a Jewish woman wouldn't even let her hair down in front of anyone but her husband. So this woman was either an ungodly woman or she wasn't concerned with what people thought. And she worshipped her Lord with everything that she had. She had no shame. How we could learn so much from Mary. That we have no shame of our Lord and Savior. How prideful and how embarrassed most of us would be. Look at all these people. These were very popular people. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were known by people in the community. They knew that Lazarus had come forth, he had been dead, he had been brought to life. So he was a hot commodity, he was a hot item. People came from miles away to see him and to see this Jesus. So we're not told exactly how many people were in the presence of Jesus and Mary as she wiped his feet with her hair. She gave the most precious possession that she had. She wasn't ashamed to express her love for her Lord and her Master. Look at this. Verse 4 says, But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, who was intending to betray him, said, Why has this perfume not been sold for 300 denarii and given to poor people? Talk about a wet blanket. Here she is, she's worshipping him. It doesn't tell, the tears are flowing down her face, but that's typically what would be going on here. She would be bawling her eyes out, repenting for being angry at Jesus. And she pours out her very valuable perfume on him, breaks her alabaster um, uh, vial, which means she's not planning on using that again anyway. She's done with that. This was Jesus became the most precious to her. All of this affection and worship of Jesus was more than Judas Iscariot could stand. You might ask, why was Judas following along with the other disciples? Yet his heart wasn't right. You see, uh, Judas had cast lots. He had cast lots with Jesus in hopes that he would usher in a new political system. He was trying to be political. Judas wanted to be in the administration. Judas wanted to be in a high place. That's why he was following this Messiah. He thought that Jesus came for the purpose to set up a kingdom, Israel, at that time, to take over, to push back on the Romans... And Judas wanted a position in this administration. Sounds like our politicians today, doesn't it? They'll hang on any coattail they can to get where they want to be. And then they'll put a knife in his back if they have to. He was looking for the earthly messianic kingdom that most Jewish people were looking for. He was, he was expecting an exalted position in the new kingdom. But for him, that dream was vanishing away. Why? Because Jesus has told them, My time's just about over. My time is just about over. Jesus had angered the Jewish leaders to the point that they wanted him dead. You see, there was a There was a posse out after him. I'll use that word. They wanted him dead. So his time was was running out. And Judas wasn't liking the way this thing was unfolding. We can't set up a kingdom, Jesus, if you're going to get yourself killed. I'm wasting my time. I've been following you for three whole years. The Galilean crowd sought to crown Jesus, if you remember. They wanted to crown him as an earthly king. Judas thought he would be crowned. But Jesus refused to cooperate with them. And as a result of at least wanting some financial compensation for his three years, wasted following this man named Jesus... Judas winds up the ultimate betrayer. You see, he sat among all the teaching of Jesus for three years. He was listed among the twelve. He was always listed as the last one, but he was listed among the twelve. He was in the inner circle. He saw the miracles. He heard the wonderful word that's even not recorded in this book. He heard it. He heard the teachings, he had seen the miracles, he had been privileged to be in the inner circle, yet he would genuinely not believe. He put a dollar value on the perfume and he quickly determined, what a loss. Here I've lost three years and she takes this this perfume worth 300 denarii and she's broken the vial and poured it out upon this man that's only going to be dead here in a few days anyway. So John clarifies plainly in this next verse, verse six, it says, "Now he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief, and he has, and he had the money box. He used to pilfer what was put into it. Yes, sir. Jesus, Judas was in charge of the money bag. He was a thief. He'd, alf- he'd often steal." Slip slip out a little money here here and there, just a little bit trying to stay under the radar. Judas's concern wasn't for the poor. Judas's concern was not for the needy. His concern was not for the widowed or the, or the orphaned. Judas was self seeking. And he was a self seeking thief. Sadly, self-seeking thieves, self-seeking thievery is a common place. And it's a common characteristic among humanity. We see it. But Jesus defended Mary's selfless, faithful worship by rebuking Judas. Look Look at what he says. I like this. Therefore, Jesus said, let her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. Now, if we put it in a more accurate way, speaking directly to, to Judas, he would say, you leave her alone. You leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. You may say, well, she's already spilled it out. How can she keep it? Well, she spilled it out upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and her purpose for that perfume was done. She'd already spilled it out from head to foot on Jesus as a symbol of His soon coming death. She spilled it out upon Him for His burial that was going to take place in six short days. The Lord Jesus Christ would be nailed to a rugged cross in Calvary. He'd be crucified, and the smell of this perfume would still be lingering upon His body. Her anointing prefigured the anointing that Joseph of arimathea and nicodemus would later perform on his body you know they took him off of the cross after taking him down from the cross they would take a mixture of what myrrh remember that myrrh that he got as a little baby when they take him off of the cross they wrap him in linen cloth with spices and these spices are myrrh and aloe. And this was used to cover up the smell of a decomposing body. And it says that, that there would be, he would use, uh, they would use a uh, hundred pounds of spices. You imagine that? Now, a hundred pounds in Roman numbers is different from a hundred pounds in our numbers today. It's equivalent to 65 pounds today. 65 pounds of spices wrapped up in the layers of linen around Jesus' body. But I wanted wanted to point out that as a baby, those wise men, the last third gift that, that they gave him was myrrh. And this is what ends up happening, is they wrap his body in the myrrh, in the aloe, But he wouldn't need it very long. John 12, 8 says, For you always, this is Jesus speaking, He says, for you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. You see, in every generation, there have been and will continue to be the poor. You'll always have the poor with you. It Surely, is there's rich people, you're always going to have poor people. That's just the way the system is set up. The more money you make, the more money it takes, right? You make more money, houses cost more. You make more money, vehicles cost more. Clothes cost more. Food costs more. You're not going to get ahead. But you'll always have the poor with you. All who are without Christ, they, though they may be rich, they may be, they may be extremely wealthy. If they don't have Christ, they're poor. They have nothing. They're wretched. They're the most poor of all. Those without Christ are to be pitied the most. The opportunity to do something for the Lord will not always present itself. And Mary knew this. Mary knew that the time was running out. Her time was now. Here in front of everybody, her time was now to do the best that she could, to offer her best. And she did. What a lesson that I can learn from Mary. Mary only had a short time. I only have a short time. What I'm going to do for Christ, I need to do it. This is the lesson for the whole church. Give our all to Christ. The servant of the Lord must love and act while while it's still day. Because we know what the Scriptures say. The Scriptures teaches that the night will come when no man will work. No man can work. The time is of the essence. I'm going to leave you with this verse, or these verses here. Romans 13, 11. Do this, knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to awaken from sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is near. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light.